Twickenham CC podcast. My name's Dan Huff and I'm secretary of the club. Um, as ever, I am very pleased to welcome two hardy souls on board with me this evening. First up, um, the chairman of the club, second team skipper, Mr. Eugene Berger. Eugene, how are you? Hi, Dan. How's it going? Battling on. Cabin fever remains strong, but um, still beginning to see light at the end of the cricketing tunnel, maybe at some point soon. All being well. Um, one can hope. We can, one can hope. We can talk about that in a sec. Um, and also, we've got Steve Watts. Uh, Watsy, how's things with you? Very well, Dan. Very well. Confined to the kitchen. I'm glad to be back, back number three again. Good man. Good man. And we can talk about, about more about your batting positions in due course. I want to go back to, 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 to something to do with that. Um, before I get there, though, huge. we have had, good to see of the ECB relaxing the regulations a little bit, a little bit of cricketing action on the green this weekend, right? Now, I emphasise the word little, but cricket balls have been hit, right, by some members of our club. And they were the little members of the club. They were our juniors. They yep. were. So, um, <laughs> Um, they were watched by what 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 felt like about a thousand people on Twickenham Green, um, given that the weather was fantastic. But um, all socially distancing naturally, so so no no um, no qualms or or, or um, disruptions over there. But yeah, there was one to one sessions that um, Paul and Liam arranged. So kudos to them in terms of arranging that. We went through the right process to make sure that we could net on the green in terms of writing a policy, submitting it to the Richmond Council. Uh, making sure that it was all good. And yeah, it was very successful. It was invite only this weekend. And um, I am told that is going to start branching out and opening up to uh, more of the junior members on both Saturdays and Sundays. So yeah, it was uh, it was good to watch this weekend. Marvellous. And and the, the each, um, each of our juniors had a set amount of time in the net, did they, with, with Liam? Is that how it worked? They, they sort of had 45 yeah. minutes each and it, there was a, it was basically a booking system, right? Yeah, it is. So, as I said, it was invite only this weekend. Um, it's an hour slot, and effectively that hour composes of a 15-minute session starting on the hour and a 10-minute wait um, in terms of making sure that you wipe down everything that's been used and you, you wait for the next um, – you, you're in a holding p- uh, pattern until the next uh, until the next junior arrived, and then um, uh, off, off Paul and Liam went again. I did speak to them on Monday, and they were both very stiff from having to throw – what must have been a few thousand balls. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think they, they will be fitter and stronger this weekend. Good, good. Well, sounds excellent. And, and in terms of seniors, then I guess over the next few weeks, we, we, we've got a couple of different ways of taking this forward, right? Again, nothing completely set in stone, but we, we have been thinking about this as a committee, right? We have, we have. Um, we are offering, um, well, uh, Scott, our club coach, is offering one-to-one nets on Wednesday, starting at about two and going until about six. Um, obviously, the same principle, hour net, 10-minute um, uh, layover, and then obviously the next person. Um, however, we are waiting and we are hoping for um, the lockdown laws to be eased into a little bit less um, or to be transposed into what cricketing terms are. So what I mean by that is we all heard that you can have six people in your garden now as long as you're social distancing. Um, we're hoping that that will soon be transposed into cricketing terms so that you can have a net with six people. So obviously one batsman and five bowlers all within social distancing and obviously not touching each other's balls. Yeah, that's probably to be recommended, isn't it? Leaving one another's balls alone. I think that's, that's in public at least. I think this is definitely the way to go. Um, and w- through July then, this could lead to, you know, fingers crossed, us using the pavilion again. Is, is, that, is that hypothetically the way we might be going? 
I tell you what, we're 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 open to everything right now. If um, you know, if you've seen, there's been a number of um, pubs that have been open doing takeaway beers. Um, we're investigating mm. whether that's something the pavilion wants to do right now. And again, we'll go through the relevant um, processes to make sure that if we do want to do something like that, and it's obviously worth doing because we're a club, um, and therefore we can only sell um, beverages to our, our members. But um, you know, hypothetically, if if you know the pubs do open as you read in the media, possibly on the 4th or 5th of July, we will absolutely be ready for that. Um, as long as we can get um, the relevant beverages from our suppliers and, um, you know, we, we are within the social distancing means and we've come up with policies for the pavilion, um, I'm pretty sure it will be absolutely rammed with five of them in there due to the uh, social distancing um, policy. Yeah. <laughs> and joking apart, that, that they're very valid point. It's easy to say we'll just open up and, uh, and we'll all be nice and sensible, um, but one, we can't rely on everybody. Uh, being sensible all the time so people have to put in serious work here and i know nigel gordon's been been drafting policies and thinking about ways of organizing this so respect you to, to nigel it's not it, this takes time these are not straightforward things to to, to get right and then we, we've not really heard that much more about the cricket side of things yet right we were guessing august might be the might, might be the time where we could plausibly play a bit of cricket is that still where you are um i'm being very optimistic and hoping for the end of july dan um yeah, it's like I said, you know, if we are going to play a league, um, we would have to start either, you know, middle of July or last week of July at the latest. Um, and, and, and I think that's plausible. But worst case scenario, if we do go into into friendlies only, then, you know, yes, we will be looking at August and, and hopefully mm. cricket week, which is which is, you know, the highlight of every cricketing year. Yeah, well, get on to Cricket Week in a minute, but I, I think that's a very valid. But I should say, given that I sit on the Middlesex County League's playing committee, we, we've not really... Um, had chance to discuss these issues yet, but we will do soon. And it's not that we we say what will happen in the county league, but I think that playing committee will definitely want to come up with a clear agenda that fits obviously within the regulations for trying to, yeah. to get a league season that looks like a league season, or or we won't. You know, we, we don't want to come up with something half cocked that, that actually is 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 the worst of all worlds. Um, before we get onto onto other matters, though, you mentioned cricket week, um, and I think it's worth stressing that if we do get the, the all clear then we want to make the most of august because august of course it's going to rain obviously because we've had the yeah, yeah. you know ridiculously good may but let's assume that it doesn't rain all the time what, what sort of cricketing festivities have we got planned um well festivities you'd have to talk to the social secretary kind of funny but but cricket <laughs> we've yeah. got a we've got a yeah the actual fact that might be during cricket week too so yeah there'll be the usual cricket week which is you know monday through to friday which includes the 1987 Old Wimbledonians. We've got the MCC on Thursday, uh, Redditch, which is the, the key fixture um, on a Monday. Um, so that'll be the normal sort of uh, cricketing week. And then we're sort of looking for ideas for the remainder of the three weeks in August, i.e. turning it into a cricket month. Now, I don't think it's plausible that we're going to play cricket on every single day of August. For one, Nigel won't have enough time to prepare the wickets, I don't think, unless we play on the Astro, which is which again is, is a possibility. But realistically, I think we'll play, you know, one week we'll play Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays, and then the following week we'll play Tuesdays and Thursdays. And the following week, again, maybe we'll play, you know, three or four days in the week. So I think the easiest way of sort of ans or ask asking the question or answering the question is by asking a question is how many of our members yep. actually want to play cricket? So, you know, if you are interested in taking part, let us know. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see the feedback that'll come through from from you guys. Get in touch with your skippers and just say, "Yeah, I'm really interested in Cricket Month." Um, I know a lot of guys do listen to it, and 
I'm sure the skippers will get in touch too. But but yeah, it's it's up to you know the community of Twickenham Cricket Club. We all if we if if we need a game every single day for the whole of August, we'll arrange it. But but you know we'll, we'll see yeah. how that goes. And I think the key point there is that we're, we're very keen for people to play. That goes without saying. But the best suggestions we have are not we should do. They are I will help us put on. Uh, that's the that's what we really want. We want people to come up with ideas that are actionable, um, and. I think if, if even a small number of our members can come up with a, a particular game they might be interested in, maybe, for example, uh, there could be a couple of games involving the ladies' 11. Um, maybe they, they, they would be able to play some T20s in, in the evening. But we need people to help actually get these games up and running, get teams out. So if, if anyone's listening and, and wants to contribute and would love to see this particular fixture, then, um, of course, we're all ears. But if people can help out in, in putting that on, That'd be that'd be even better. I, I do know of one fixture that's really um, raring to go. I was talking to a couple of the Colts' parents, and they have really missed their cricket. In uh, including Mr. Ugo Monya, who uh, mentioned uh, the cricket pavilion on his podcast um, on on his rugby podcast a couple of days ago. So, you know, I, I do know that the parents and the Colts' parents are really keen to get involved. So, I'm sure there will be one or two games involving them, possibly even more. Magnificent. Sounds really good. Before we get there, though, we will, all being well, have cricket to watch from July the 8th. Um, now, what's it? I don't know if you, you've been following this in any great detail, but the West Indies are coming. Well, most of them are coming. Um, three of them are not coming, uh, as we've seen today. I know one of the Bravos is not coming, and, and Hetmai in, in the middle order there is always good to watch. He's not coming. Um, but nonetheless, it sounds like a test series is, is taking shape. Um, I guess it would be a silly question to ask if you're looking forward to it, Watsi. But what do you make of this? Is the fact that there may be a few players like is that a worry that this is all going to be a bit strange or do we go with what we've got? I don't think so, Dan. I think it's going to be the highlight of the sporting summer, isn't it? Let's be honest. I think we're yep. all chomping at the bit um, to see some top class cricket action. I mean, you know, I've watched talking about watching documentaries last week, been watching the old cricket on, uh, on Sky, just desperate for something new to get our teeth stuck into really. And I think, it should be an entertaining series. So, right, West Indies aren't bringing three players. They want to have a bit more of a chill. I can understand them um, not wanting to come to one of the most infected countries in the world. Um, what, to Plague Island? To Plague yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, I think they've got so many entertaining performers, the West Indies, so many boom and bust players. Um, I think it would be a really entertaining series. And, um, yeah, look, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes trained on that and maybe some people that are very casual cricket fans as well might might tune in and um and 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 get to get to know the game of test cricket a bit more given that the you know we know that premier league football will will be back eventually but um yeah it's it's, it's a good opportunity to you know for cricket to uh to profile itself to get its audience yeah. back yeah yeah indeed yeah, no, I, I very much buy that. I mean, I, a friend of mine said, not, not when was it, Saturday, that he got up on Saturday morning. The first thing he said, oh, this looks like a, a three-wash day. And, and then he said to himself, oh, my God, lockdown is ruining me. When the first thing I think about is how many loads of washing I can get, I can get out and dried on the line. I desperately need something else. And um, I think a few of us are in that position. Maybe don't think about how many washing loads we can do in a day. But anything that looks sporty and, looks, and that looks like it might be competitive is has got to be welcome. And I guess you, you fall into that category, use, right? Even though, obviously, you're, you're neither West Indian nor, nor English, but I'm sure you're looking forward to watching it. 
I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember where it was, but I'll, I'll watch anything right now. I'll watch tennis ball cricket. <laughs> um, I think I ended up watching the Guernsey game over the weekend, uh, which was I was going to say, I dipped into that. No interest yeah. whatsoever in it, but I watched about an hour of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it. I'm not being funny, but obviously for anyone that fought, is it, that's on the social group, honestly, the best moment of my lockdown or... or, or period of time of my lockdown was on saturday i know where this is where going Stuart yeah, Amos, this is brilliant <laughs> yeah live live reported an imaginary threes fixture against hornsey it was honestly so my, my wife was trying to get me to watch ozark on netflix and trying to get and i was like i can't i've got to find out what happens you know i can't i can't move i can't i can't do anything until i find out if robbie raposia hits the winning runs and, uh, you know that yeah, Amos? He, was... he should go into sports journalism or something. He'd have a good <laughs> <career. laughs> <Probably. laughs> He'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was brilliant, wasn't it? And he got the timings right. It felt like, you know, he, he didn't rush it. Um, and, and the game finished at about the right time. And, and I have to say, I, I thought it was a stroke of I wasn't following it in live, t- live time either, Watsy. I, I just read it all. I had my bat with me, Dan. When I, was in, when I was in bat, I was carrying my bat around the house with me. I set off for a few quick singles, but Stu, t- Stu turned them down. So, you know, I'm surprised. How are you out, Watsy? Yeah. I can't remember. Did you play on? I was, how are you out? No, I was, um, I was non-strikers and um, shut oh, out, yeah. wasn't I? With a little feather. My goodness. Stewie's yeah. wanted to do that to me for years. I know it. But there you go. What no, it was great go. entertainment. And it was superbly topped off the following day by a match report, which was even better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, good. But when, when these are the highlights, and it was brilliant stuff, but we, we, we need some live cricket. And hopefully that West Indies series is going to give us all something to get our get our teeth into. I see it's, it's turning around quickly. I don't know if you picked up on this, folks. Three tests are going to be within 21 days. So anyone playing in all three tests is going to have, uh, yeah, it's going to be a busy month. It's going to be a busy month indeed. Yeah. What is the grounds? Because I heard there were three grounds that they've chosen specifically because they have hotels. Just two. Them. I don't know the full story. Is it two, is it? Okay. South, Southampton and Old Trafford, isn't it? Um, yep. I believe. Yep. I think that's what it is. Yep. Yeah. And and they are particularly suited to this sort of game. I think it's it's really sort of obvious stuff, really. I, th- I know Old Trafford's got a hotel in it. I think Southampton might as well. So the, yeah, the, so the guys are going to be, yeah, they're going to be there all the time. They're going to do everything they possibly can to to, to limit the risk of um, you know of, of the pandemic ruining things. So so yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking for, and we can no doubt talk about this in in the, in the run up to the games. When, when we have a bit more of an idea about teams um so we can have a think about um you know how bad our predictions are going to be which is generally the trend um but yeah bring it on before we get there i wanted to to, to more abstract question really something that occurred to me um earlier today and and it was about um about psychology really folks and i've been intrigued to see what you're making this because you've capped inside you you know you've had to deal with different people in your team and one of the things of course captains have to do is decide about in order and some people are very partial to batting in, in, different, in different spots. Now, I, I, I know when, when I was captain of the two, two years ago, I always liked to have you, Watsy, at five, particularly when we were chasing. I thought five was a really good position for you. And I, and I, I haven't looked at the stats, but empirically, I think that we did very well. Well, we certainly had a couple of promotions when you batted at five. And I thought, you, you know, you're... you're Without blowing too much smoke up your derriere, I thought I thought as a run chaser you were always a good man to have going into to, to building in and around. Um, and yet, if we're batting first, I wasn't keen to have you at five. Now that might be about <laughs> strategy rather than psychology. 
And it might be just simply that I was getting my strategy wrong. But I had a little bit of a look. You know, someone like Joe Root, his batting average at three is nowhere near what it is at four. And there's plenty of people down the years who, who really don't quite fancy batting in a certain position. And I'm not, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure exactly whether this is something we should just say, man up, sort it out. You know, there's nothing, nothing going on here. You're making, you, you know, just because you're batting four doesn't say you're automatically going in the 20th over. You might go in after two balls. But I'm just trying to get a feel for this. How much of this is made up is basically what I'm saying. Do you think that a lot of it is, it is boulder dash? Or is there something about batting at five that, that if you want to bat there, if you think it's for you, that will make you a better cricketer just because psychologically you're more prepared for it? Or what do you make of it? What's, I'll go to you first because I, you know, I name-checked you before. But what do you make of all this, this, this batting order preference thing? It's classic cricket mystique, isn't it, Dan? Uh, it's, it's such a psychological and mental game cricket. And we, we talk about different subjects every week and it always seems to come back to the mental side of it and how you develop through your junior years and and the experiences you have i think um you know in different roles and look you've talked to ben about um how you used to like me batting number five god i'll never forget those moments because you used to go out and do the toss and if i if we batted first i would literally (laughs) i know this is going floor boot my bag (laughs) i want to just be out of there batting number seven again absolutely toys out the pram after scoring two fifties in two weeks, but um, but yeah, look, I, it's also a little bit. I think the captain's role does play a huge part. There's two elements to it. People do have an individual preference, without a doubt, and mine's changed over the years. Actually, probably changed with my game. Funnily enough, I was always an opener growing up. Um, um, but those years where you used to put me at five, it. It made me believe every time I would bat at five, I would get runs. It's a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy, I think. Um, and it, there's always a balance between actually what position people are suited for um, and and what just psychologically makes them feel better. And yet, when we were chasing and I went in at five, I was like, right, well, I'm not getting out. We're going to win by six wickets again or or whatever. I knew it. You know, I it, it was just a thing. I, I found it very different when I captained because actually I wanted to put myself wherever um, wherever the hole needed kind of shoring up in a way. Um, so that was a that was kind of another different experience um, because you're looking for role the right role players in a different situation. And actually, you know, when I look at um, our 2017 again team when we won, we had people in roles week in week out that knew where they were going to bat and knew how to play that role and how to pace their innings and how to bat with the people around them because you get used to batting with certain guys in the order next to you, don't you? And I think when you have the luxury of having fairly consistent selection and playing in a fairly consistent team, having that um, having that uh, position really can help. Um, on the other hand, you know, sometimes when we might not always have or we have the, the consistency of selection we want, we find that we're trying to patch together a batting order each week and, and have to move people around and have to experiment. And, you know, maybe you put a pinch hitter at the top of the order because actually your tail's going to be too long. And, you know, that might impact them because you put Robbie Bowser out there and he scores a 50 and suddenly he thinks he's the best batsman in the club. But um, I think there's so much mystique to it. And, you know, I know personally, as I said, I, I always opened 
Um, then I liked three when I was a kid because I scored some runs, bang at three for the county. And then, you know, I, since I came to Twickenham, really five or four, and then, and then captaining four. So I've, I've really moved around. But yeah, it, it definitely has an impact. And, and it also has an impact on you when you turn up um, at the ground when you're not skippering and the, and the captain either places his faith in you um, or doesn't, you know, that really changes your mindset going out to the game. You might turn up expecting to bat six and the skipper says, do you know what? You're going to go out there and open today. And that could give you the boost to completely change the course of your season, um, for example. So, yeah, I think it is it's one of the most psychological things in the game. What's I'm intrigued about that because I, I buy into a lot of it being psychological sport. Like most things in life, it's got an awful lot to do with the way you approach it, the way you prepare, um, and and the way you're managed. You know, man management plays a big role. But the issue with Joe Root between three and four. Now I I wonder why that's a prominent there. Now of course at that level of cricket, small margins make a huge difference. But but there shouldn't be much difference between going in at three and going in at four. And you know you may go in after five balls batting at four, or you may go in after 60 overs batting at three. You know, it's perf- the, 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 the empirical evidence here would say that it, there isn't much difference. There might be a difference between three and 11, but three and four, it never strikes me that, 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 there's, that much, um, there's that much difference between the roles. Yeah, I grew up, much as you said before, but number four, right? Number four for me was where the best player batted. Now, I don't really know why, but I was always sort of, that's a stroke player. That's the person who will really shape this innings, for better or worse, so you put your best player at four. And that was the same in club cricket as it was in international cricket. And I've never seen that written down. Um, and clearly it's not a law of the game, but it always felt that four was where the best player goes. And I wonder if Joe Root's just bought into that. And he just summoned it in the back of his mind and said that four is, is, is just better for me. And I find that odd at that level of, of sport, that, that, that you know, you're, you're in this psychological bubble where um, these small things make apparently huge differences. And it makes a difference of around 10 in his average. So that's a significant difference at that level. Um, what do you make of it, Huge? And I say, Huge, I always look at you captaining and you gad around the order. Right? I've seen you bat at one. I've played with you when you batted at one. I remember you scoring a great 70-odd at Hampstead once for the, um, for the ones. But I've also seen you bat yourself at nine um, for the twos. So what's going on there? Is this all about other people? I suspect it is, right? Most of the time when you're, yeah, most of the time when you're skippering, it is. I mean, uh, last year I batted at 11 um, in our last game of the season because it was it was a, a dead rubber. So I thought, you know, get, give give the other guys a, a good bat. I thought you were going to say you finally found your um, role. Yeah. I, but, <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. It's definitely peeling the oranges and bringing the drinks on. Um, it, it's interesting. My preference is I much prefer to bat down the order. However, when you look at my runs statistically, they're at the top of the order. And there's a reason behind that is I don't play spin as well as I play pace. Most Use the, of the ball time, come anyway. on and you're wacky. Um, I would always say, bat, I, I'd want you bat up, but one, to be honest, because the ball will come on and you're wacky. You pull your hook, you're growing up playing hard pitches. For me as a captain, I've never captained you, I don't think, but for me as a captain, I would want you going in early. Yeah, it was interesting because when I played for Carlos and the ones, that was, that was generally my role. Um, and, and it was really interesting. You guys were getting to choose where you were batting. I was told where I was batting most of my career. So uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was good because I didn't captain many sides in my in my youth or in my um, in my in my early years of playing cricket. But um, yeah, it was always a you know the one thing I was really grateful for is I was always told where I was going to bat at least a day or two before. So uh, you know I couldn't arrive at a ground going 
I have no idea where I'm batting because, you know, personally, mentally preparing before, okay, if we bat first, this is what I need to do. If we're chasing, this is what I need to do. So mentally prepared, I was always okay. And, and I think cricket's got a massive mm. mental game. You know, I could, and, and I do the same now when I skip it for the twos, you know. Um, when we announce our side on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday or whatever day we announce it on, um, I, I do that in the batting order, you know. And I go, guys, this is your, this is your role. And then message guys individually saying, you know, this is what the expectation is and the reason that you're batting down here or up there. Or, I mean, a classic, classic example is, is Knuckle for me. He's, a, he's one of those batsmen that I can rely on batting at eight or nine to save a game if absolutely is needed. And he's done that many a times. And that's why we were promoted in 2017 and again in 2019 because he played some absolutely phenomenal innings. I thought batting he was promoted because he didn't walk. Didn't we establish that on a previous pod? Isn't, isn't that the re- <laughs> that, that was one of the reasons, but he has scored many runs there before I know too. You know, I get the point. Again, you, I like the way you pick up the one example. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose you'd never ask a guy, you know, are you happy yeah. batting at eight? And I suppose from my perspective, I'd like to bat there one day. And I've slowly but surely been been working on that because for me, that is where games are, are won and lost. I think, you know, when you come and you look at the amount of games that are going on, that's where games are either, you know, you get your winning or losing draw or the winning runs are scored or as long as the top order does their, their job. So, you know, for me, if you ever look at um, at last year, I batted predominantly six, seven or eight most of the year. Um, that was where I think is most important in, 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 the, in the leagues we are playing at now. Um, I, I absolutely think that, you know, there's the talent in the, in the top order to score the runs, but I don't know, maybe maybe it's just the glory seeker in me. I want to be there at the end and make sure that the job's done. But I find that interesting. That's interesting you say that, though, Huge. Yeah, I, I find that interesting because I've been lucky enough, actually, to play in a number of, you know, various levels, not as high as the, the you've played in, Huge, but, but luckily I, I've played in a lot of sort of title or league-winning teams or whatever over the years, and they've nearly always had one thing in common, and that is a, a really top-class opening partnership. Um, or a pair of openers that really get your team in front of the game from ball one. And that, to me, has probably always been the closest correlation between success um, and people in the batting lineup. So it's interesting to hear you say, I'm not saying you're definitely not wrong. It's just if you can influence the game from the top and, and, and have the mo- most chance, have your, your best players facing the most balls. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting sort of thing to work, juggle up that one. Yeah, there's another reason I think that is, you know, at the ripe old age of 41, you know, the youth of the club need to start taking responsibility. And, you know, we've got some fantastic top order batsmen now that are doing that role. So, you know, from my perspective, it's uh, making sure that we're investing in, in, in the club and making sure that, you know, you, the legacy you leave or the, the foundation that you build is what you want to leave to make sure that, you know, other people realize that, you know what, I can actually do this job. Um yeah, it's just taking that responsibility at the top of the order. And, you know, I, I feel I did it in my early career. But, but yeah, it's time for other people to do it. So may, maybe this year will change. Who knows? Uh, you know, there's there's always that little bit of me that comes back and goes, you know, I'd love to back, bat up at the top of the order. And I did do it once last year. Ended up scoring 80-odd or whatever it was against um, Stanmore, I think it was. Um, but, yeah, it was it's, 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 it's always nice so to go up the order. against Stanmore in the one – yeah, just, yeah just, just throwing that in. They were a decent side as well. And then you decided the next week, I'm not going to do that again. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Interesting. <laughs> they were top of the yeah, log. They were, the, they, they were unbeaten the whole year. Yeah, and you've got 80-odd. Huge. My highest ever score for Twickenham, 78, just to put that into context. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, just throw in a little 80 against top of the league, but I won't bother batting there again. 
<laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, you. I mean, I don't know who you played the week after. There may well be good reasons why you didn't, but it is really interesting, and particularly with opening the batting, because the, the the one thing I would say, I think there's an awful lot of psychology in three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, all, all the places that we mentioned there, um, and a lot of it is is built up within people's minds, and it's very hard to change once you've got you're in that groove. But for me, it didn't really matter whether it was three to eight; it was all the same. I, I really didn't care because I wanted to go at one. And even one, not two, one. He got to say, I want to face the first ball. Get it out of the way. The first ball is generally a loosener. So face it first. And I, the amount of people I've opened about him with who didn't want to face the first ball, what happens if he gets me out? Because he's going to face the first ball sometime. You might as well get it out of the way. But it was interesting that for me, going out with somebody else, not having to wait, not having to sit there and think, crikey, I could be in now, I'm not. No, I could be in next ball, but I'm not. You know, that, that was, I find that quite deleterious in a way and, and made me really tired. You know, actually physically tired waiting to bat. Um, and so that's one of the reasons I ended up, you know, I just want to get out there and face the first ball. And even if that, you know, did get me out. And I remember one game, I think you were playing Watsi, where I was out one minute before the start time of the game. So, you know, walking off the pavilion, looking up at the clock, see, yeah, see, seeing that I was actually, my day was done <laughs> at, at 11.59 and the game didn't start at 12. Um, but that, that goes with the territory, doesn't it? Um, but I had a trivia question for you, folks, actually. I was looking this up before to see if there are any batsmen in test cricket who've played um, or who've batted um, in all 11 positions. I don't know if you've heard this one. There are three batsmen who've done it. And I would be quite impressed if you knew, well, two of them, because they're from, from years gone by. Sid Gregory is an Australian from 100 years ago. And Wilfred Rhodes, uh, an Englishman, you may or may not have heard. The third one, he's made an appearance on this. In international yeah. cricket, Dan. Test cricket, Steve. Test cricket. Daniel Vittori? No, no. 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 But this guy's made regular appearances on this podcast. His name has been name-checked a number of times, often linked to be linked with Neal Tomar. I was going to say Jason Gillespie. Vinu Mankad. I was going to say Jason Gillespie. Wow. <laughs> Mankad. He has batted in all 11 positions uh, in, for India in test matches. So there you no. go. Yeah. You st- Do you know what? I, I'd like to offer that, that, that um, question out to the listeners, Dan. Who for Twickenham Cricket Club has batted in 1 to 11? Uh, do you know someone who's done that? That'll be an interesting look. At- oh, no, uh, that's why I'm asking. I don't. It's a question to say, have you for Twickenham Cricket Club in league matches batted but you one sh- to I mean, 11? I wish you'd... Probably the brothers in arms, isn't it? Probably is Nihau. Well, I, I am... It probably <laughs> is Nihau. I've got but... a busy work day tomorrow, you, so I really don't appreciate this question. I'm pretty sure I have for the ones. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have for the first two. I've def- I have mm. definitely batted um, low and high for the ones. I'd... But of course, what I'm, I'm going to have to bloody well check now, aren't I? So this... <laughs> This is two hours of my life tomorrow going through scorecards trying, trying to answer this question. But that is a great question. I'd, I'd be really... You know what, Dan? I think I might be alongside you. Plausible. I think I have. I have batted 11, I have batted at 10, and I have And you're in a position where you can so, engineer yeah. it so any gaps in your, um, in your sort of uh, CV there can be, can be filled in oh. August, hopefully. I'm thinking ones now, alone. You know, I know I've definitely done it in the twos. I know that's, well, that's all a All 11 positions? But in the ones... Yeah, hundred percent. What's he? Have you? I mean, I just had a quick look now. So after Stanmore, yeah. I, I, I batted nine the following week. Okay, obviously not good enough. Definitely not for Twickenham, Dan, because I've always um, been lucky enough that people 
have believed my burglary that I'm a batsman here. So, uh, but definitely, you know, over my at eleven for high gate, maybe when when you were Uh, leg spinning. No, 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 no. Never, never since I moved to London. When I was a young lad, I was usually ten or eleven, to be honest. Um, But yeah, no, not not recently. You don't know what you're missing, Watsy. Batting eleven is awesome. I do know. I, I experienced it for a long period of time when I was <laughs> younger. But I thought your point about batting eight and nine and, and their their key positions. I mean, there's nothing more disheartening, I think, that, that being a bat, being a captain out in the outfield, the oppo 100 for six and chasing 220, and suddenly the number eight can bat. You know, that's not good. I want the number eight to be somebody who thinks yeah. he can bat. Spot and that on. can be a really soul-destroying position to score runs from. Um, I, I must admit, if I saw you coming out at eight, I wouldn't be... It's risky. Yeah, it is. It, no, you're, you're right, Dan. It's risky, but third third elevens do that a lot. Actually, they'll have their they'll have one of their key bats coming in at seven or eight, and uh, and you, you obviously you get through the top. You're well ahead of the game at but the oppo at fifty for five, and everyone's cocky, and suddenly some character <laughs> strides out. A bit like Calaturan did yeah, against us that yeah. day. Dan, I do remember. remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, and scored seventy odd not out. Uh, yeah, I remember because I was bowling. Yeah. But um, but yeah, like it is, it is soul destroying. So it is a good tactic if you've got enough. If you've got enough horses who are going to do the business for you up top, mm. then yeah, you know. Although there is a, an interesting point there. I'd forgotten about that game. Where, so we've got somebody who's got what probably ten hundreds for the West Indies, and what do I do? I give the ball to Watson. You know, that, that, there, would, there would be some who would think that was a controversial choice, Steve. <laughs> Well, again, <laughs> it's a bit like Inception well, or well, something. Well, it was a game one. in Southampton and, and, and the draw was in, right? And, and they were not going to get the runs. And what, what you got... Now, I'll have to look this one up tomorrow as well. You got some wickets that season, Watsy. And I absolutely had it in my head that, that yeah, when we had a partnership in, give the ball to Steve. One, because Watsy turns it. But two, it gets it above the eye line. And, you know, players who have not scored 10 centuries for the West Indies often find that quite intoxicating and, and they, they have a whack and they, they, they edge it in the air or, or they miss it. Um, and so that season, which must have been, God knows now, what, nine years ago, 10 years ago, what's he? Um, I can't remember. It was Sam yeah. Baird, wasn't it? it was yeah, that's right. Us, and we yeah. went up that season. So it clearly wasn't, you know, <laughs> causing us to lose games. Um, and, yeah, it, I tried to get Calix Cal- uh, around to have a bit of a whack. Um, and he, he he got seventy odd not out, didn't he, Steve? Well, he yeah, but, but they didn't win the game. <laughs> yeah, he did. I'll never forget it, Dan. It, it it's like yesterday for me. This this chap, absolute <laughs> legend, comes up. He's tiny, yeah. absolutely tiny. You know, mid mid sixties. So you you're looking at him and you're thinking, well, he's not going to hit the ball off the square. You know, he's got his immaculate bat, not a sticker or anything in sight, but it's quite a small bat. And I'm thinking, guess what? What's he's the man? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the ultimate scalp here. I think he lost about three balls. Well, he couldn't <laughs> run. So of course, because he couldn't run, he was whacking it. Um, but we had, we had runs to play with, so we didn't lose the game. But it was what you know we were surging to, to try and win the league, and so we were trying to win the game. But um, but we couldn't get him out. So so we didn't, and we drew, and we got the better of a better of a, a drawn fixture. Um, folks, I was going to move on to one other thing, right? That that. That, that was um, made. I was made aware of this afternoon with, with, with TCC player of yesteryear, Mr. Tom Guy. As, as some listeners might know, Tom and I both live in Ascot now, and we arranged a, 
um, a socially distant game of football, quite frankly, between the families. It was it was it was pretty brutal stuff. You know, it was Tom and his his wife Rachel and and their two versus Stan and me, uh, Ying, my wife, which uh, not a natural football player, put it in those terms. But what, while we were having this game of football in in South Ascot this afternoon. He came up with this thing um, that he read that I thought was really interesting, right? Wisdom, this year's edition of Wisdom, has got an article in it about right-handers and left-handers. And apparently it's a thing, right, that if you are right-handed, you are statistically going to punch above your weight if you bat left-handed, right? And Tom's logic, and the logic he got from the article, was very much that your power hand should be the one that does the leading, should be the one that shapes your batting. It shouldn't be the one that you rely on to hoik your way um, through cow corner, um, you know, across the line. And, you know, there's, there's been some stats done on this. Um, I haven't read the article, I'll be honest. I've just got the summary from Tom. But the stats look overwhelming that if you can persuade kids at an early age to bat left-handed when they're right-handed and vice versa, then technically it's going to make them a much, much better player when they, when they grow up. I request your thoughts. Does it sound like, like a small data set and stuff that might ultimately be poppycock or do you think there could be something in it are we doing it wrong have we been doing it wrong all these years should should all three of us are right-handed should we all have really tried to go the other way and, and bat left-handed it might have helped us score a few more runs what see any thoughts on this one well I, I wonder if um the game changing may have had an impact on it as well dan because you know when when, when we were brought up um 20 you know 30 years ago ever learning the game yeah <laughs> number one was getting in the getting in your eye line and, and the top hand you know needed to be strong but it was about keeping the ball out that was what i was taught that was my first three years of cricket as as reflects in my batting style now it was being a blocker and uh, yeah. uh but, yeah. but, but getting those basics right and getting the body balanced whereas i think now the game's become or more about scoring quickly, more expansive. I think you probably do need your stronger arm taking a lead. And, you know, just as a, as a, as a dad of a young boy, obviously, um, you know, I, I've seen, I've seen Elliot try and get to grips with batting right-handed. It's completely unnatural to him as a very right-handed person. I, I flipped him around to bat left-handed and he tonks it everywhere. And I think it is more natural um, for, for kids to want to use their stronger mm. arm to lead the oh, way. He tonks so, it everywhere. You, you better have a paternity test well, done there. I mean, if he's tonking it everywhere, where's he get that from? It's, right, job, it's a bit, bit, of, bit of an overstatement, but I have been bowl, bowling like <laughs> I did to Kalacharan, so, you know, it probably helps him out. But, but, you, but, but yeah, you, 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 get, you, get what, you get my meaning. And I, yeah, I, think, I do. You know, you look, at some, yes. you look at some of the left-handers now who clearly bowl right-handed and do most things right. I mean, look at Ben Stokes and his levers and, and, and guys like him, and, and you can see you know the the impact of leading with your stronger arm um, in the in the current power, power game. I think we'll see more and more left-handers come through, left-handed batsmen come through. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking of Owen Morgan as well because Owen Morgan looks to me, you know, when he plays. I mean, he's a hurling guy, isn't he? And I think in hurling, you do do more of what we would think of as right-handed and left-handed hitting. But when he plays yeah. these reverse sweeps, you know, the power he gets into it. And that's not just a good bat. That's somebody who's, who, who can do it, who, yeah. who's technically very strong. And so it, it did make me think there may be something in this. Have you, have you ever heard of this before? Um, yeah, I have. I have. It, it purely depends on how far you uh -huh. want to hit the ball, though, Dan. You know, um, right. it's interesting. Most people that have got good techniques and use their top left elbow um, probably play the ball more on the ground than in the air. I don't know if that's correct or not, and I'm making a huge assumption on this. Yeah. 
but b- bottom-handed people tend to hit the ball in the air a lot more. So again, mm. I suppose it's horses for courses. It depends on where you want to do and you know what your style is, what you where you want to bat, and how you want to hit the ball. I know personally, I'm a I'm a massively bottom-handed person. Um, drag everything through the leg side, and on occasion get one through the offside, and that's because of the bottom hand. But you know, I'm trying to think of of Chris Gale, for example. You know, the way pretty much all of his runs are in the air. You'd argue that, well, hang on, is his left hand or his right hand stronger? It's interesting. Uh, but he's yeah. an off spinner, so it, clearly he, he fits. And he's right-handed. He? You know, he, yeah, he's right-handed. But I'm thinking that the argument would be that you you would still be able to do that use, taking you as the case. It would just be that you would have more more control in other aspects of your game. So it doesn't mean you'd necessarily be a better player, but you, you're giving yourself a better chance of doing that because you'd be able to, to control more what you do in your other shots, if you know what I mean. You know, your cover drive would be easier. You, you glide back. I mean, you, I, Watsy and I play the same shot, you know, just back with a point. That, that, you know, take that shot out of the game and we're both struggling massively. <laughs> I don't recall ever seeing you play that nurdle through the offside because you're not shaped to do it. You, you know, it's not where you naturally want to hit the ball. I wonder if it might be different if you were left-handed. And of course, yeah, we'll never know. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You guys are making well, me think too one, much here. Well, I think it might be, no disrespect, mate. It might be a bit late in the day for you. <laughs> Every now and then, I've had a, had a little go batting left-handed, which obviously feels a bit Have odd. But, but it, what's funny is I am better at all the shots I'm not good at right-handed, and I cannot play my square cut, which is obviously my trademark shot at all batting the other way around. So it, it is almost like your shot selection is governed by it. Ever since I obviously remember down in 2012 and I did my shoulder and I tore my labrum mm. and I've had a few wrist issues in the left hand as well, where I broke my scaphoid and I've lost that power in the left. And now when we come chasing or when I play LMS, my only two release shots are cow corner or the square cut. That's where I, where I hit my power because they're both as used as governed by the bottom hand my power hand mm. and and i think it's really interesting actually it, i think you, the way you bat is it is more to do with the relative strength in you than than anything else and also you learn a lot by watching people who've come to the game late and i remember when ajmal joined us for those who don't ajmal um, um born and bred in afghanistan came to the united kingdom what six seven years ago now um sort of i think he played a little bit at home maybe but not much um and then i watched him opening the batting and it well, let's just say that it's not the way I open the batting. You know, Ajmal's creativity as an opening bat was phenomenal. You know, and he'd, he'd reverse sweep and he'd deal shan and he'd do the rest of it. So, so his attitude to it was that the ball goes where there's no fielders, and he's simply got to have more control of what he's doing. Otherwise, he'll just get out quickly. And it made me think that the art of batting, as you said, Watsy, has changed. You know, an opening batter's role has changed so much in the twenty years that that we've been doing this. And I think part of that will be because people are, are now, both of their hands are, are doing more stuff. And for many batsmen that we know, they might as well bat one-handed. They might as well bat with the right hand and just whack it, just, just wave that bat through the air. And Ajmal was one guy who made me think, no, he's not at all. He's got flexibility of the wrists. He's got power in both his wrists. And um, I, I think the, there are going to be more players like that. Um, and that's, I guess, a good thing. Do you know the thing about Ajmal though, Dan? When he first joined, his description yeah. was right or left-handed bat. No word of a lie, he could do either. 
And right arm I'd, seam or left arm spin? I'd heard he could bowl with both hands. Yeah, I, I didn't know about the batting, but that does make sense. Yeah. So Kev batted him at Intriguing. eight for the fours because he didn't have because he thought he obviously wasn't a he was a jack of all trades and master of none, which proved to be slightly wrong. You win some, you lose some. I'm not going to knock Kev for that one. I've made my mistakes <laughs> as well in batting orders. <laughs> I have seen Ajmal bat in the nets left-handed a few a few times. So yeah, definitely can bat left-handed. But I'd have thought there's a PhD somewhere in there. I'm not going to write it. Um, but there's a PhD in that about the whole nature of the way we approach, whether we bat right-handed or left-handed. Because I think, you know, the whole of cricket just got used to everything being right-handed. And of course, there are more left-handed batsmen than ever before now. Um, and that's because I think it's more okay to be left-handed in society. You know, for a long time, people were taught that if you were left-handed, you were weird. Um, and I, I'm intrigued to know whether ever more people will, will look at the science of this and, and, and start doing it deliberately because they think it might make better players of their kids and the people they're coaching. We, we will see. We will see. Um, folks, I think we're running against the clock a little bit here. Anything else you want to fling in, Huge? What else do we need to know? Just see the ball hit ball. Stop thinking about it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. If in doubt, just go back to the basics. Forget all the science. Yeah, exactly. No, nothing, nothing from me, yeah. Dan. No worries, man. I should say Heather Knight basically said that, the captain of England, didn't she, when we had her on the TCC social two weeks ago. That if in doubt, if you're going through a bad trot, because uh, Don has asked a question, didn't he, about um, you know, he what did. to do if you're going through a bad trot. And uh, no one actually said, how to define a bad trot, Donners. How many years are you thinking? <laughs> Which uh, <laughs> and Donners <laughs> then said it about it. himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but her answer was, see it hit it, wasn't it? What's he, how about you? Anything else you want to throw in? No, just that I'm looking forward to Stuart Amos's next edition of uh, the three season this weekend. He's got to do it every weekend, every Saturday now. Um, me. I eagerly await to find out what number I'm batting. The bar is high. That was a phenomenal um, bit of uh, WhatsApp management on behalf of uh, the big tackle there. He, he was he was brilliant. Um, guys, super stuff. We will reconvene that in a couple of weeks. We can talk all things Test Match Cricket then. And I, I'm expecting some decent predictions, OK? So... Um, think he caps on and all that business. Um, in the meantime, um, go well, and I'll chat to you both again then. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Steve. Thanks, Cheers, everyone. Cheers, guys.